Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to roco snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. appreciate every single one. Here's a recent review we loved. The subject line is, thank you. It's normally like three hours till I sleep, and now it's just 10 minutes because of this. Thank you a million. Thank you, Francesca, for writing your review. If you're falling asleep two hours and 50 minutes faster each night, that means that's almost 20 hours of extra sleep every week. We're so happy to help you sleep more. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by Heavenly Bodies. Tonight, we'll read the opening to The Influence of the Stars, published in 1904. It was written by Rosa Bonn, the eldest daughter of an eminent London newspaper man. She soon established a reputation of her own as one of the most intriguing spiritualists in Victorian Britain. In her short life, she published more than 20 titles devoted to graphology, divination, and astrology. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. That a certain power derived from ethereal nature 
pervades the whole earth is clearly evident to all. Fire and air are altered by the motions of the ether, and these elements, in their turn, encompassing all inferior matter, vary it, as they themselves are varied, acting equally on earth and water, on plants and animals. The sun, not only by the change of the seasons, brings to perfection the embryo of animals, the buds of plants, and the springs of water, but also, by his daily movement, brings light, heat, moisture, dryness, and cold. The moon, being of all the heavenly bodies the nearest to earth, has also much influence, and things animate and inanimate sympathize and vary with her. By her changes, rivers swell or are reduced. The tides of the sea are ruled by her risings and settings, and animals and plants are influenced as she waxes or wanes. The stars also produce in the ambient many impressions, causing heats, winds, and storms, to the influence of which earthly things are subjected. The force of the sun, however, predominates, because it is more generally distributed. The others either cooperate with his power or diminish its effects. The moon more frequently does this at her first and last quarter. The stars act also in the same way, but at longer intervals and more obscurely than the moon. From this it follows that not only all bodies which may be already in existence are subjected to the motion of the stars, but also that the impregnation and growth of the seeds from which all bodies proceed are molded by the quality in the ambient at the time of such impregnation and growth. When, therefore, a person has acquired a thorough knowledge of the stars, not of what they are composed, but of the influences they possess, he will be able to predict the mental and physical qualities and the future events in the existence of any one whose actual moment of birth is accurately given to him. But the science of astrology demands great study, a good memory, constant attention to a multitude of different points, and much power of deductive judgment. And those persons 
who undertake to cast horoscopes without possessing these qualities must necessarily make frequent mistakes in their judgments, which, perhaps, accounts for much of the disbelief which exists as regards the power of astrology. But it is unfair to blame the science for inaccuracies which are only the result of the ignorance of its exponents. No one should attempt to pronounce judgments on the influence of the stars without having first given years of study to the subject. And, even then, unless he should have been born under certain influences, he will never become a proficient astrologer. The practice of observing the stars began in Egypt about a thousand years before the Christian era and was spread by conquest in the reign of his successor into the other parts of Africa, Asia, and Europe. But it appears to have been taught in the earliest ages by oral tradition only for there is no good evidence of its having been reduced to written rules before some years after the first century of the Christian era, when Claudius Ptolemy, who was born and educated in Alexandria, produced a work called the Tetra Biblos, or Quadripartite, being four books of the influences of the stars. In this, Ptolemy seems to have collected all that which appeared to him of importance in the science. The planetary orbs, which the ancients recognized as having the most powerful influence, were seven in number, now known under the Latin names of the principal deities of the heathen mythology, Jupiter, Saturn, the Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and the Moon. It may be objected that science has long since revealed to us many more planets than the seven known to the ancients. But, in considering a study so mystical as that of astrology, it is better to adhere to the theories of the old world writers. In the earliest ages, almost all the inhabitants of the earth led pastoral lives were, in fact, merely shepherds. But amongst these shepherds there naturally arose, from time to time, men of superior intelligence, whose imaginations, purified and strengthened by solitude 
and the constant communion with nature which grew out of that solitude led them to the study of those distant lights which they saw night after night appear and disappear in the wide expanse of the heavens above them of pure lives and more impressionable than we moderns they were necessarily more open to the influences of nature and all their thoughts being given to the study of the mysteries by which they felt themselves surrounded their intuitive perception is likely to be a safer guide on mystical subjects than the scientific conjectures of our day besides as the results produced by their methods were astoundingly correct why should we imagine ourselves capable of bettering their theories jupiter saturn mars and mercury are still the most important planets whilst the moon though so small has a more subtle influence in consequence of her nearness to us whilst the sun's power over us and the whole creation there can of course be no question each of these seven planets is the ascendant once during the space of the 24 hours forming the day and night and according to the junction of two or more planets under which a person is born his outward appearance character and fate will be influenced the sign of the zodiac too under which a child comes into the world possesses a power to produce a particular form of body and mental inclination always however subject to the influence of the seven planets it must also be borne in mind that the planets dominating the lives of both parents would to a certain extent have an influence not only during the prenatal period of our existence but also in arresting or hurrying forward the moment of our advent into life the father's influence is strong at the moment of conception the mother's during the whole period of prenatal existence in this way we can account for the resemblance between parents and children and also for the physical and mental qualities which we see constantly reproduced through a long line of ancestry it is rarely that one planet is the sole influence of a life for the child at birth may 
and more generally does, receive influences from several planets, and some not those of the father or the mother, and thus we can account for the innumerable differences of mind and body to be found among members of the same family. For the benefit of those who object that there is too great a leaning to what they would call the dangerous doctrine of fatalism in these old world beliefs, it may be well to quote a few reassuring words from a very able and voluminous writer on these subjects. Dr. Richard Saunders, who modestly styles himself on the title page of his learned work, published in 1671, Student in Astrology and Physic. The stars, he says, have such an influential power over us that we act by them and though they are but second causes, their influences do so necessitate us that we cannot avoid their fatality unless we have recourse to the first cause which governs us all. In other words, though the stars influence us, God rules the stars. The Alphabet of astrology. The science of astrology consists of four branches, namely mundane astrology, which is the art of foreseeing by the aspect of the stars at certain periods, the events likely to happen to nations, such as pestilences, wars, inundations, and earthquakes. Atmospherical astrology, which is the art of foreseeing by the positions of the heavenly bodies, the quality of the weather at any particular time or place, the casting of nativities, or the art of foretelling from the position of the stars at the moment of birth, the fate and character of the native, and horary astrology, or the art of foreseeing by the positions of the heavens at the moment, the result of any business or circumstance. As the two Former branches are treated in the astrological almanacs issued every year. It is needless to go into them. But, as the casting of nativities and the answering of timely questions require individual treatment, the working of these two branches of astrology, after the ancient methods, shall be described as clearly as possible.
before the student can do anything in astrology, he must master its alphabet. That is, he must make himself thoroughly acquainted with the symbols used to represent the planets, the signs of the zodiac, and the aspects. The planets recognized by the ancient astrologers are, as we have seen, seven in number, and are as follows, with their symbols, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the Sun, Venus, Mercury, and the Moon. These are also the dragon's head and the dragon's tail. These are neither planets nor signs of the zodiac, nor constellations, but are only the nodes or points where the ecliptic is crossed by the moon. One of these points looks northward, where the moon begins her northern latitude, and the other points southward, where she commences her south latitude. The head of the dragon is considered of a benevolent nature. The tail of the dragon is of evil tendency. There are also the twelve signs of the zodiac, which are as follows, with their symbols. Through these twelve signs, the planets continually move and are ever in one or other of them. They are divided into north and south. The first six, from Aries to Virgo, are northern. The latter six, from Libra to Pisces, are southern. This is because the sun and planets, when in the first six, are north of the equator, and when in the last six, they are south of that line. Each point of the zodiac rises and sets once every 24 hours. Occasioned by the Earth's revolution on its axis, once every day. Therefore, when are given any point in rising, the opposite point must be setting. As the zodiac consists of 360 degrees from the first point of Aries until we come to that point again, and as these are divided into twelve portions, or signs, they must consist of thirty degrees each. Concerning the Signs of the Zodiac The zodiac is a band, or belt, measuring about fourteen degrees in breadth, but... As Venus sometimes appears to have more than her real latitude, 
it is more correctly considered to be 18 degrees in breadth. The ecliptic, or path of the sun, passes exactly through the center of the zodiac, longitudinally. The ancients divided the zodiac into ten signs, Libra being omitted altogether, Virgo and Scorpio being merged into one, thus Virgo-Scorpio. This accounts for the similarity of their symbols. Ptolemy divides the zodiac into twelve equal parts of thirty degrees each. He says, the beginning of the whole zodiacal circle, which in its nature as a circle can have no other beginning or end capable of being determined, is, therefore, assumed to be the sign Aries, which commences at the vernal equinox in March. One of the many objections urged against Ptolemy's system of astrology is that the signs are continually moving from their positions. But Ptolemy seems to have been aware of this motion of the signs and has met this objection by what he says in the 25th chapter of the first book of the Tetra Biblos, where he makes it clear that the respective influences he ascribes to the twelve signs were considered by him to belong rather to the places they occupied in the ambient than to the stars of which they are composed. And he especially speaks of the ambient as producing the effects attributed to the respective signs of the zodiac when in the ascendant in a nativity. Thus, his astrology is just as applicable to modern astronomy as it was to his own. The signs have been divided into four triplicities, thus fiery, earthy, airy, and watery. These descriptions are useful in showing the modifications brought to bear by the ascending sign on the planet's influence. But when no planets are in or near the ascendant at birth, 
the following descriptions of the temperament and form of body produced by each sign ascending at birth should be used. Aries is a hot and fiery sign and produces a lean body, spare and strong, large bones, gray eyes with a quick glance, and sandy colored hair. Taurus differs greatly in its effects. It is cold and dry and gives a broad brow and thick lips. Gemini is in nature hot and moist and produces a person of straight, tall body, sanguine complexion, brilliant eyes. Cancer is by nature cold and moist. It produces a native fair and pale, short in stature, with a round face. Virgo is an earthy, cold, barren, feminine sign. When it ascends, it shows a well-formed body, slender and tall. Libra is an aerial, sanguine, masculine, hot, and moist sign. Scorpio is a moist, phlegmatic, feminine sign. It gives a strong, corpulent body, low stature, thick legs. Sagittarius is a fiery, masculine sign. The person born under its rule is handsome, with a rather long face and features. Capricorn is an earthy, cold, dry, feminine sign produces a person of slender stature with a long neck. Aquarius is an airy, watery, masculine sign. Would produce a person of a well-set, strong body, long face. Pisces is a watery, cold.